Solomon Kinley in the backfield. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. And Tua throwing the other way to a wide open Durham spike for the touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show. Diagnosis. Shotgun. Murray. Prognosis. Out of the pocket. Seven seconds. Osmos. Six seconds. Murray. The doctor. Miraculous. number two. Glad to have you with us here. Talking a little football. We'll talk a little NFL this hour. So hang tight for that. Appreciate Trevor Maddich for joining us. Look forward to talking with Steve Berline this hour as well as we talk NFL. Trevor Maddich, of course, we talked college football, the college football playoff rankings. Great stuff there. That will be up on the website. You can catch that a little bit uh, later on. So hang tight for that. Don't forget Friday afternoon, Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. That is the place to be. As we get ready for our best bets, our three best college plays, three best NFL plays, of course, coming up on Friday. And, of course, we talk the fight. Terrence Crawford and Showtime Sean Porter, they will get it on Saturday night at the Mandalay Bay, the Michelob Ultra Arena. The fight is sold out. So on Friday, of course, we'll be having uh, that coverage as well live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. So come on out, see the show live in... Have some fun uh, with us as well, too. Going to get my man Kenny Adams out to the Cosmopolitan on uh, Friday as well, too. Always fun having Kenny A uh, with us, the International Boxing Hall of Fame trainer extraordinaire, 26 world champions, and uh, two fighters, of course, he knows very, very well in Porter and Crawford. So look forward to having uh, Kenny A. Come on out here uh, to the Cosmopolitan on on Friday. The uh, press conference uh, just ending now at the Mandalay Bay. It was the final uh, pre-fight press conference between Porter and Crawford. So uh, Bob Arum scheduled to join us uh, a little bit later on this hour as well, too. So uh, we know uh, how busy things are over there. And again, you know, I, I'm just kind of bummed that the they have gone to this scenario where the press conferences are now during the show because they would always be at 12 noon be like clockwork yeah i'm crying i'm whining because i miss going to the press conferences and you know then i could get over here do the show play back some some sound have our guests ready to go but then you know all of our guests are at the press conference at the time so same thing as always always happens with the weigh in you know that happens on fridays as well too but, you know, been able to live with that. So, all right. Where are we going, Numchuck? There you go. Numchuck on the phone. He's efforting. They're, you know, doing what you got to do. Keep it up, man. All right. Steve Berline, waiting on him. He is scheduled to join us here as uh, we continue on. We talked about the Henry Ruggs update uh, a little bit last hour. So we'll, we'll give you that again here, too. Uh, Henry Ruggs, the 
his lawyers were in court today for a brief hearing, and a judge uh, told his attorneys to get their own subpoena for fire department records. Uh, the judge said that uh, she didn't agree with the effort, and the court order from her was not needed. So uh, they are claiming that, according to their court filings that they filed last week, uh, they said that firefighters were slow to extinguish the flames in the vehicle of Tina Tintor, who died because of Henry Ruggs speeding of 156 miles per hour on Rainbow Boulevard, where the you know both cars were engulfed in flames. Uh, so the lawyers are saying that the fire department in Las Vegas were slow in getting to the scene. So um, they're trying to subpoena the records at the fire department. And uh, so his lawyers went to court today, and they wanted the judge to do that. And the judge basically just came back and said, you know what? <laughs> you do your own work here. Plain and simple. Don't ask me to do your job for you. Just go ahead and get it yourself. So that's what transpired in court today. And more news that Henry Ruggs was not in court today. So he has been at home on $150,000 bond. He has wearing an ankle, ankle bracelet, but according to him, he can't even wear the ankle bracelet. He's got to find something else because of the injuries that he has. But uh, Henry Ruggs is taking is being you know, submitted to four drug tests a day, and we have word that he missed an alcohol test, and now the judge is ordering Ruggs to return back to jail. So he could be on his way back because he missed one of his four mandatory uh, drug and alcohol test. So the judge who set the bail at $150,000 warned Ruggs directly that if he didn't comply with these restrictions, that he could be faced with a rearrest. So the judge ordered you know Henry Ruggs to appear before her on Monday after learning that he missed a required alcohol test at his house again. So Ruggs could be going back to court. And so how does this happen? I mean, it's pretty simple. You're lucky that, number one, you're lucky to be alive if you're Henry Ruggs. Number two is that you're lucky that you're not behind bars for the rest of your life, that you're actually getting some time to be in the comfort of your own home and still be able to see your family or your loved ones and be with your small child. But all you have to do is... Abide by the court. That's all you got to do. Abide by the court's order and in, in, in wishes here. Four alcohol tests a day. Just do them. How do you miss one when you're just sitting at home, not really allowed to go anywhere? How does that happen? So because of that, I mean, they're just waiting for him to mess up. And they'll throw him right back in jail. So now he has to be back in jail on, or rather, I'm sorry, has to be back in court on Monday to appear to give an explanation on what has gone wrong here. So Henry Ruggs, there's your, your latest update. Now Ruggs was due back in court prior to this whole misstep. Ruggs is due back in court on December the 16th for a preliminary hearing on two felony charges 
of the DUI causing the death of Tina Tintor. Uh, He could get the minimum of two years in prison and up to 40 if convicted for the two felony, um, you know, reckless driving counts. And there's a misdemeanor hanging over him as well, too, for for a weapons charge for having a loaded handgun in the car. So, yes, this story just... It's not going to go away, uh, and I know a lot of fans are really sick and tired of of this, and they view Henry Ruggs as a guy who's, you know, entitled uh, with a lot of these other athletes that uh, is maybe getting some preferential treatment. I mean, why is he not in jail? Why is he allowed to be at home uh, on house arrest here? So crazy situation, but you know the the and he's not making you know any friends here in the in the public here in Las Vegas, especially when his lawyers are out here you know trying to say, well, hey, the police department or rather the fire department didn't respond you know quickly enough. That's not a good look. But I understand as an attorney, you're going to do whatever you can to try to get your client off. You're going to try to muddy the waters, but you got to be very careful here because. This is a tragic, disastrous, horrific, you know, accident that he caused. And uh, at this point in time, you just need to abide by the rules of your Henry Ruggs. And as far as the attorneys go, just not try to play this out in the court of public opinion and try to, you know, shift blame, you know, on whether it's the fire department or police department. So craziness, you know, there. All right. Um, you know, Sam Gordon, we had him on earlier this week, on Monday, actually, and he went to Montgomery, Alabama to uh, talk to people that were close in Henry Ruggs' life. And he talked to Nick Saban, his coach at, at Alabama. He, there were a lot of people that were refused to talk to Sam about the story. And what the Review Journal was trying to do is, you know, he, Here's a man who caused the death of a woman and her dog and ended that life. He ruined his own life, and they wanted to find out what kind of guy Henry Ruggs you know, was. What was he like growing up? Were there these signs that uh, pointed to this type of behavior? And as Sam reported, and he said on the show Monday, that none of this, uh, no one, had any idea that Henry Ruggs would be would do something like this. You know, they were saying basically it was a one-off because, I mean, this is a guy whose best friend was killed, uh, you know, in an automobile accident, and Henry Ruggs refused to drive because that had uh, stayed with him. And you see Henry Ruggs back at Alabama, even his time with the Raiders, you know, he put up the three fingers uh, up to the skies of heaven when he scored a touchdown because that was in memory of his close friend who was killed uh, in a car uh, accident. So for a guy like that to make the decisions to abuse alcohol and excessive drinking and have a blood alcohol level of 0.161 and then at 3 o'clock in the morning drive 156 miles per hour down Rainbow Boulevard. Insane. There were, there were no no indications that... Henry Ruggs would end up the way he ended up. 
So, yeah, I thought that was an interesting you know, story that Sam did in the paper on Sunday and uh, what he talked about you know, here on the show Monday of, um, of what he found out going back to Montgomery, Alabama. I thought it was interesting, too. He said that there, a lot of people were willing to talk with him, but majority of the people were not willing to go on record and, and talk with him uh, about this at all. And we joked about, you know, his, his batting average being, you know, or his shooting percentage being very, very low, you know, uh, you know, talking to those people when he went back to uh, Montgomery, Alabama. So, uh, again, if you haven't read that story yet, make sure that uh, you check that out at the Las Vegas Review Journal dot com. Sam Gordon's article uh, regarding Henry Ruggs and and his time, uh, you know, spend back there in, in Montgomery, Alabama uh, with that. So. All right, and like I said, we will continue to um, to monitor that story as well, Tim. All right, let's go. Let's get back to the on-the-field stuff, and let's talk a little NFL football with our good friend, the former quarterback, and, of course, does a fantastic job on his show that airs on the CBS Sports Network, the Monday afternoon quarterback, Steve Berline. What is up, my man? You see. What do you say, man? I'm uh, I'm doing okay. Sorry, I was a little bit uh, tied up the last 15 minutes or so, but uh, glad we got this worked out. Okay, brother. Well, I appreciate uh, you joining us. No doubt about it. All right, man. Uh, let's let's start talking about the Raiders here, and we've been talking a lot, of course, you know, with the Raiders on field, the off field situations, and everything. And you know, a lot of fans believe some of this stuff is correlated here. So. Let's turn our attention now to to what our eyes saw Sunday night in front of a national television audience with the Raiders succumbing to the Kansas City Chiefs. And it just wasn't the, the way they lost that game, 41-14, to Steve, but it's how they lost that game. And I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, what were your thoughts while you're watching Kansas City become uh, the old Kansas City Chiefs again here in Las Vegas on Sunday night? Well, I don't think that part of it was so surprising, the fact that the Chiefs are getting that ship right. Uh, you know, they're too talented, and Patrick Mahomes is too good and too confident to to hold him down and for him to play, you know, at the level he was playing at uh, for a very extended period of time. So I wasn't surprised by how well uh, the Kansas City Chiefs played offensively. What which literally shocked the heck out of me was how poorly the Raiders played, and specifically you know, Derek Carr. Um, you know, on our show on Monday, uh, the NFL Monday QB show, I uh, one of the questions that was posed to Rich Gannon, myself, and Trent Green was, who's the most disappointing quarterback right now in the AFC West? And both Trent and, and Rich said they thought it was Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I said, you know, I, I have to go out there and, and talk about our Raiders and, and say, Trent, I mean, uh, Derek Carr is, is really the guy that is disappointing me the most right now. I'm concerned about him because that was a massive game for the Raiders. Home against the Chiefs, national television, uh, with a chance to hang in there and really stay relevant. Uh, they needed to have a huge game out of, out of Derek Carr, and he just never uh, got it going. and threw a couple balls up for grabs, and I, I just could not believe how, how poorly he played in such a big game. And I'm a big Derek Carr fan. I'm, 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 I'm really not throwing him under the bus here. I'm really more than anything challenging him because I expect more out of him. And I, I thought that he would step up and have a great game. 
Uh, but it really concerned me and with all that they've been through with uh, the, the Gruden thing and then with the Ruggs thing and then, you know, other issues that, that, that can't seem to keep coming up. I think that that team is teetering on that very fragile line of uh, either completely falling apart or, you know, hopefully figuring it out. And they needed to have a good performance. It didn't happen. Uh, so I, I'm very concerned about, uh, you know, their ability to pull this and keep it together and, and maybe get this ship back on the right track. And to your point there, Steve, it, it, it was it was two bad performances in a row. I mean, you come back off the bye week and you go back to the Meadowlands and you play poorly against the Giants, and then you throw in that stinker a few weeks prior at home against the Bears, and Carr has had right. some really bad performances. And, you know, today he is talking about what is the the mindset of this team and how he feels this team is because and you know you know uh not just as a quarterback but just you know from broadcasting all of these years as well too when you get to november and december and you have a team that has a bad history of of tanking and not going to the playoffs and have years of faltering that that does seep in your mind. And this guy has said over and over, all I want to do is win. I'm tired of the losing. Today he said, you know, when he was asked that question, he goes, this is a different team. I'm seeing guys still, you know, like today, show up at the facility, show up and in, in, in work here on time. He goes, a lot of times at, at this point of the year, you know, I've been the guy that has been showing up early and then I see guys straggling in and you can just see that they've kind of mailed it in. And that's what I do like about Derek Carr because he kind of wears his emotions on his sleeves and he talks uh, very openly and candidly about these type of things, but that is the stuff that we're hearing now like today that, okay, well, maybe it's not as bad as it was last year or in years past in Oakland, but now you've you've lost two in a row. You've got this huge game coming up this week against Cincinnati, another team that you should beat and you should perform well against, but yeah, how much of a concern is that when you had all of this you know, year after year of losing. Yeah, it is a concern. Uh, but but in Derek Carr's defense, he, I think he's got the right attitude, and I always think he's had the right attitude. Uh, this thing is not over yet. There, there's still this time. You know, they're 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 what maybe I, if you with the tiebreakers and everything, I think they're one game out of of the lead. Um, maybe it's a game and a half. I'm not, I'm not looking at standings right now. But the, the point of all of it is that they can get this thing turned around. If they can just take it one at a time, if they do take care of business this week, get themselves back on track, get the confidence going again, and then try to parlay it into two in a row. Let's see if we can get the two in a row. And then all of a sudden, now you're talking about the last you know, five games of the season or you're still really relevant right in the middle of it, and everybody can taste it. And that's, you want to get to that point where you're in the light, going into the last quarter of the season where you feel like you still have a chance. That's what everybody, everybody wants. You know, the, as he was t- saying, as he's referenced in, you know, in his press conference, I guess you just mentioned it, you know, if you get to that point and you don't feel like you have a chance anymore, it's really hard to get guys to give the effort and the commitment that they need to give on a daily basis. So uh, if they can get this thing turned around the next couple weeks and and get that confidence back, I believe that they can uh, challenge for that division right to the very end. But, man, these next couple weeks, they have got to play well and find a way to get Ws. 
Yeah, and we've seen the Raiders get off to these fast starts in, in seasons past, and they did it again. They banked some good quality wins earlier on. But, yeah, right now they're 5-4 and four, along with the Chargers. The Chiefs are, are at 6-4, and four, so they're all right there. Steven, the loss call, I mean, you got four losses, four losses, four losses, and then the Broncos have five. So, you know, it's up for grabs, and especially now with a 17-game regular season schedule. Right. I mean, there, there, there is no excuse. And then you got the Bengals coming to town, you know, this week. And really, these two teams, in my opinion, Opinion, they are mere images of each other. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get week in and week out with the Raiders or the Bengals. I mean, Burrow, all the the, the hype of, of him coming in, he has thrown in some clunkers. You know, Carr, the veteran, at times he'll look great. Other times, you know, here we go again. When, and again, the supporting cast, uh, you know, really not getting it done. I mean, you know, both these teams have lost two games in a row. It's, it, it is a virtually a pick 'em game on the boards here this weekend, too. But I mean, Cincinnati's coming here thinking, like, hey, man, we need to win this game. We can beat this team. But the Raiders have to be thinking that exact same thing. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, you're, you're talking about exactly, you, you, you've phrased it perfectly in terms of these are mirror image teams. I mean, they're both at the same point in the season where uh, they have enough time to get this thing worked out, but they're running out of time. And I think that's the urgent message that both both locker rooms and coaching staffs are preaching to their players and to everybody full-time. Hey, we're, we're right in the middle of it. we still got a chance. Let's get this thing turned around this week. And I, I really do love uh, the Cincinnati Bengals as far as uh, the team that's going to be really good long-term because they're, they're building around a great young quarterback, I think, who's going through some, some ups and downs, as you said, but I really like Joe Burrow. And remember, he's not even a year out from the, the, the devastating leg injury that he had last year. So he's still uh, not 100%, in my opinion. and probably won't be for this whole season because he, you know, he came out and started playing probably nine months after that injury, which is an amazing accomplishment. But Jamar Chase, uh, you know, Mixon and uh, all the other receivers, and they got some good tight ends on that offense, a good offensive line. Uh, their defense has shown flashes of being a really, really good defense. So I, I think that the, the Bengals are a team that potentially can play with anybody, and they've shown that during the course of this year. Uh, it's just a matter of which team's going to show up on Sunday against the Raiders. And obviously, for the Raiders' sake, we hope that, you know, that they don't bring the, the Bengals don't bring their A game, but any way you slice it, the Raiders have to bring their A game because this is as close to a must-win as you can possibly have at this time of year if you want to stay relevant. All right, he is the quarterback. Steve Berline joins us, the former Raider himself. And, Steve, let me ask you this. Back to Derek Carr for a quick second. You know, with the what they've gone through from a receiver's position – and, of course, you lose Aguilar last year, and you really don't have that, that deep threat now that Henry Ruggs is, is basically, you know, his career is, is over. And you go ahead and you put Zay Jones in the spot. He really hasn't really delivered. Brian Edwards has been okay. And, you know, you just don't have that deep receiving core. You've got Hunter Renfro who is a, is, is a nice piece, but he's very young. Then you bring in a guy like Deshaun Jackson. So how difficult is this for Carr really not having you know the chemistry with the, this receiving core right now? Is that a major effect on maybe why he's not performing well? Well, uh, there's only one way to know that, and that's to sit in the meeting rooms and, and, and or maybe sit down and have a talk with Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator, which I would love to do. Uh, at some point to try to find out. But 
the the bottom line is it is what it is. They they have been through a lot. I mean, think about just two years ago they had Amari Cooper, and uh, you know if you would have had Amari Cooper and Henry Ruggs and uh, you know all the go through all the other different things that it could have been, but it, it is what it is. It, and the bottom line is that um, you got to find a way to make it work. And and I can tell you this, TC, and you can look back and figure this out. And, and you know, confirm, fact check me if you want. The year I led the NFL in passing, 1999, uh, I did it with a bunch of guys that really nobody even knew who they were, other than Wesley Walsh. He was a tight end, uh, but on the outside, I had Musin Muhammad, who was just getting started. Um, he, he was in his second year after a, you know an average first year. Um, we had Ray Caruth, who was uh, found in the trunk of a car in Tennessee uh, after being, uh, you know, guilt, you know, he was guilty of having his girlfriend uh, murdered. Um, and so that happened four games into the season, kind of like what happened with Henry Ruggs, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. And uh, we had a backup receiver step up by the name of Patrick Jeffers. Uh, so we had Musin Muhammad, Patrick Jeffers, and the other guy that became our third receiver was a guy named Donald Hayes, who was, a guy that no one ever had heard of. He was a, a young player out of Wisconsin um, who I thought was potentially a really good player. He never really got a chance to make it in the NFL, played about three or four years. Uh, but the bottom line, those three receivers in Wesley Walls, we led the NFL in passing that year. And it was because guys stepped up. I, you know, I, We worked our butts off. We refused to uh, make excuses and find reasons to blame this, blame that. We just kept working our butts off, and I gave these guys a chance to make plays, uh, and they made the plays when they had the chance. And, you know, the bottom line is you can sit there and say, oh, they've got a difficult situation all you want. Nobody cares. you got to find a way to go out and win, period. you got to find a way to go out and win, and that's where the Raiders are right now. And I expect Derek Carr with his weapon at tight end with Waller and with the other guys. Brian Edwards has shown me a lot of really good flashes. I, I like the way that guy plays the game. And these other guys got to step up and make some plays, man. That's just the way it goes. All right. Raiders in Cincinnati this week, Allegiant Stadium, a 105 kickoff, a must-win situation for really both teams. All right, Steve, uh, the injuries uh, are hitting the quarterback position here. Joe Flacco is getting a start this week for the Jets. Mike White, four interceptions last week. Uh, Robert Sala said, "Hey, no, let's let's uh, let's give the guy the benefit of the doubt here." Well, he's not giving the benefit of the doubt because uh, insert thirty-seven-year-old Joe Flacco here. I don't know. Uh, not that we really care much about the Jets and think much about the Jets here, but uh, quick thoughts here. Uh, Flacco getting the start. Well, you mean Mike White is not going to be the quarterback of the future for the Jets? <laughs> last week, last last week he was, uh, according to Sala, <laughs> That's right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right, I know. But that wasn't us saying that. No. That wasn't us saying that. Exactly. We, we knew uh, that, you know, one game does not a career make, and there's a reason why you see these guys come out of nowhere sometimes and have the unbelievable breakout game, uh, but then all of a sudden the pressure's on, there's a little bit of film on them, a little bit of tape. Uh, defensive coordinators get to, you know, really dissect them a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you know, the expectations and the pressure and they're, they're having to deal with the media. And, uh, all of a sudden it, it becomes a little bit different ball game and the pressure mounts. And you see that some of these guys, I'm not saying that Mike White won't have a, a good career in the NFL. I'm just saying 
that let's let's slow down a little bit those people that were really excited as if the, the Jets had found their quarterback. Uh, you know, Joe Flacco, I think, gives them the best chance to win. Um, he'll he'll go out there and um, you know lay it on the line. I know Joe. I, I've always really uh, believe it or not, I've always felt pretty strongly about him as a quarterback. Obviously, the last five years or so, he hasn't done much of anything, but but I do believe he can step in and win some football games, and that's what he's there for. So they made the trade. Uh, they're going to play him tonight, and we'll see if he can help him get back uh, to, to being a, you know, a decent, respectable football team. All right, Baker Mayfield, multiple injuries. He already had the left shoulder injury. Now he's got the right knee injury, came out of the game last week. The Browns are struggling. They've had plenty of injuries themselves on, on you know, at the running back position, as we know with Nick Chubb. Uh, what do you make of this Browns team right now and these injuries that Mayfield has? I mean, how much of this is really hampering him? Well, you know, it, 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 it's the knee injury just happened this past week. Um, you know, the shoulder injury, left shoulder, um, you know, it's significant. Uh, and I can relate. I, I played a full season with pretty much uh, the same sort of injury. If anything, it was probably worse than his. I had, a, I had to have my whole shoulder, left shoulder reconstructed after the uh, 2000 football season. I didn't miss a snap that whole year. Uh, but but the point of the matter is that what I'm trying to say is that I, I can relate. I've played through it. I understand. You can fight through a shoulder injury to your left shoulder. It is going to restrict you. It is going to limit you. It is going to be difficult, but uh, it's part of playing in the NFL. you got to show you can do it. Now, with the knee injury, uh, I don't know how significant the MCL strain is, if it's going to be one that's going to uh, keep him out for a week or two. I don't know. Uh, but, but those are things that, that happen as you mature and as you move along in your NFL career. You know, everybody has to deal with it at some point. And if it gets to the point where he can't fight through those injuries, uh, uh, it'll, there'll come a point where they'll have to sit him down for a while and, uh, for the best interest of the team, play somebody else. But, you know, that's a good football team. It's not playing very well. They're up and down, uh, a lot like the Raiders and the Bengals, you know, high hopes, but uh, not playing consistently enough. Uh, that's a team that I think a lot of people felt would, would really uh, have a chance to take control of that. AFC North at least challenged Baltimore, uh, and it just hasn't happened. They haven't played consistently enough. What are you making of Matt Stafford and the Rams right now? Because you know everyone was singing the praises of Stafford. Hey, he got away from Detroit, didn't have the weapons there, didn't have the offensive line, and all of a sudden he looked fantastic the first you know five six games. But the last two weeks, I mean, we've seen you know two pick sixes for touchdowns, four interceptions, two in each game. I mean, he has not looked good at all. What do you think? Is is Stafford reverting back to the Detroit Matt Stafford? Well, uh, number one, I think the Detroit Matt Stafford was pretty good. I'm a huge Matt Stafford fan. I think that he never had the support uh, of a of a uh, team and an organization in Detroit uh, anywhere near what he has right now at the Rams. So having said that, I am extremely disappointed in what he's done the last couple weeks. You know, I, I really haven't lost any faith in him uh, or in the Rams. I think that this is the kind of thing that, uh, you know, you really find out what a team is made of going through adversity. Just remember, last year's Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their record after 12 games was 7-5 and five last year. Uh, they got hot, and they won their last, uh, you know, seven games of the season and won a Super Bowl. 
the Rams are more than talented. I still pick them uh, to be the number one team in the NFC, and I pick Buffalo to be the number one team in the AFC. I think they're going to meet in the Super Bowl. I still believe that. Uh, Matt Stafford, in my opinion, will figure this out. He's just too good. Uh, and you get OJ, o, o, Odell Beckham uh, to the place where he's comfortable and part of that system and that offense. Uh, they're fortunate to have him now that Robert Woods is out for the season. Uh, but I think they're going to be a, uh, a very, very strong contender to win the whole thing by the time it's all said and done. Who of all the quarterbacks, in your opinion, right now is playing the best right now? Obviously, it's not Tom Brady. He's struggling a little bit. And, of course, we know just because a quarterback has a couple bad games doesn't necessarily mean, okay, uh, you know, they're going to be done for the season, have a downward spiral for the rest of the way. But who, in your opinion, right now is, you know, is playing the best? I mean, is it Aaron Rodgers? Who is it? Well, I think you would have to say, you know, if you take in the last couple of weeks into consideration, uh, you have to uh, say that probably the most consistent quarterback prior to him being injured was Kyler Murray. Um, there hasn't been anybody else that has really uh, been consistent enough to be that I can think of. Now, I'm just going through them in my head. If you've got somebody to, to point out with your materials in front of you, please do so. But well, let me. I'll throw one at you. Else. It's not. It's not materials in front of me. It's kind of off the. You know, I'm. I'm just doing the eye test and what I've seen week in and week out, and it may surprise some people. I'm going to throw it at you. You know, for me, I think it's Ryan Tannehill. You know, but I, I did the I did the the Titans a couple weeks ago in, mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. Right. He did not play a very good football. He game. didn't. That's true. A that, couple of really bad interceptions. They got yeah. away with it. Uh, the following week, I can't remember who they beat. Uh, uh, well, they, beat the Ram- they beat the Rams. They beat the Rams. Yeah, I thought he played okay. Mm-hmm. He threw a bad interception in that game as well. Uh, their defense really stepped up and played well. And you know, the he's made some throws when he's had to. And, and I'm a I'm a Tannehill fan. Uh, so, uh, but I just don't think he's played his best football. He he's thrown more interceptions this year than he did in 2019 or 2020 as well. He's thrown I think nine or ten interceptions this year. He only threw seven all of last year. And he threw six all of 2019. So he's not playing his best football. Uh, and that's scary because if he starts playing well with the way the rest of that team is playing right now, they are going to be very difficult to beat. The way that defense is playing, obviously, Derrick Henry uh, puts a lot, losing Derrick Henry puts a lot more pressure on Tannehill. So he is going to have to step up if this team uh, is going to continue to be considered one of the, not, if not the best team in the AFC. But uh, I think he will. I really like the way he's played the last couple years, but I just think he can play a lot better than he is right now. And I would, I would say Kyler Murray, prior to his injury, was probably playing the most consistent at the position. Right, and you're and you normally we'd throw Josh Allen in there, you know, and and that's not the case. And you know, a guy who's probably surprised, who seems to be getting better each week too, is Mac Jones. I mean, look at the rookie. Yeah. I mean, he's he's playing he's playing well. We know that he was a smart quarterback coming out of Alabama, and obviously Belichick and McDaniel's they got they got confidence in this guy. But uh, Steve, this guy looks like I mean, he is you know he could lead this team to the playoffs, and he could be a factor. And we're going to find out. And and uh, I, I've really been impressed with what he's done. Uh, he, he, by far the most pro-ready quarterback of all the uh, the quarterbacks. Right now, Mac Jones is the most NFL-ready quarterback coming into the season. Uh, as far as the upside long-term potential, 
I didn't think he was going to be, you know, I thought he was probably the bottom of the barrel or bottom of the, the pile as far as those guys were concerned coming into the season. Um, but what he's shown me this year, I've changed my my opinion. I really believe that, that this guy can be a really good quarterback uh, in the NFL. I really admire his maturity, his decision-making, uh, the way that he handles himself all the way around. And, um, you know, when he's when he's locked in, he, 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 he doesn't make many mistakes. And that's pretty impressive for a guy with only, you know, 10 games under his belt. And, uh, you know, Bill Belichick and that staff saw something. They let Cam Newton go. Uh, I think they really feel like they've got their guy for the next 15 years. And uh, I wouldn't dispute that right now. All right, he is Steve Berline, the former quarterback, and of course, you can catch him every Monday afternoon, three o'clock Pacific time, on the CBS Sports Network, the NFL Monday Quarterback, uh, with the quarterback group himself, Trent Green, Rich Gannon, and uh, always great stuff, my friend. All right, brother, I appreciate you. Uh, you got any plans to make your way back up here very, very soon, or what? You got the calendar out? What's up? Oh, I don't have any plans to at this point. I, I, it'll probably be after the football season, okay. um, I would think. But uh, but I'll be out there before you know it. Uh, no doubt about it. Right. It's too easy to get to you, so I'm going to find a way. Uh, there's no 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 doubt. And again, I just figured, you know, hey, with the Raiders always having these alumni weekends and stuff, I figured you just might be showing up every now and then. You know, you got you got another good excuse. You know, come to the stadium. Yeah, you never know. You never know. All right, brother. Appreciate <laughs> you as always, Steve. Thanks a lot, man. Sounds good, man. Take care. All right. There he is. All right. One of my guys, one of my favorites, Steve Berline. Again, the former quarterback, uh, breaking it down for you. Again, he's got that former Raider in him as well, too. Once a Raider, always a Raider. And, uh, of course, does, has done a fantastic job as the NFL analyst uh, with CBS uh, for you know the better part of the last decade and a half. And now he's doing the NFL Monday quarterback show with fellow quarterbacks Rich Gannon and Trent Green as well. You can always check that out uh, each and every Monday afternoon at 3 o'clock on the CBS Sports Network. All right, we come back. Talk a little wrestling. Impact is back in town. Chris Bay is in the house. We'll talk to him next. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane. I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. All I really need is one shot. Now they trying to get their hands in the pot. All right, don't forget, come on out and join us at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas Friday for our Best bet segment. Come on, check out the show. And, of course, we will also be talking about the NFL. Moreland Greenwood is going to join us, the director of the NFL alumni, the Las Vegas chapter. Love talking to Moreland. He'll be joining us as well. And, again, we'll be pre- uh, previewing Crawford Porter, the big bout coming up on Saturday night at the Mandalay Bay. Of course, our best bet segment, everything else happening as well, too. And uh, right now, we turn our attention to another part of the squared circle. Ooh, yeah. Chris Bay is in the house. Impact Wrestling returns to Las Vegas. Samstown Live, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, as you know. Uh, love having the guys or gals uh, in the house and enjoying us. So Impact back in town again. Look at this guy. I mean, he don't mess around. You know what I'm saying? The, he 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 just came in today, just like uh, he does when he comes down the aisle. He's he, the dashing Chris Bay, all decked out today. What is up, brother? 
What's going on, man? That was a great introduction. One of the best. I love that. <laughs> there love you that. go. Got me pumped. I'm I'm so, I'm so stoked to be here. We're well, yeah. glad to have you here, man. You yeah. know, we've had yeah. a couple of your other uh, compadres, uh, you know, rolling through here. So okay. we, we we had to get you in here. Yeah. Man. Who you done had in here? Uh, who do we have here? I would say yeah. we, we had D-Lo in here a few weeks Ooh, back, right? D-Lo. Shout out D-Lo. Yeah. Who else did we have in here? Uh, we had the Good Brothers came in here. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, forget we, those guys. Yeah, forget that. Yeah, we yeah. tried to get uh, you know inspiration, but they said, "Well, you can only, you yeah. can only have Chris Bay instead." Yeah. Ross said, "You know, uh, inspiration." I, I'm sorry, you can't you can't touch them. So maybe you get inspiration instead. Inspiration. You like that? I like that. Wow! <laughs> Look at that. Wow. See? Okay, we now have a new opening for an engineer. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna get rid of this guy. Yeah. Call, call my guy Sliz. Yeah. Uh, shout out him. He made the theme song "One Shot," the song I come out to. Right. Yeah, that's my right. brother back there. Yeah. All right, man. So you spent a little time in the WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact Now. For for a lot of our listeners who may not be too familiar with your career, we got to go back, man. We got to go back to where where you came from and and where this love of wrestling for you all started. Oh, okay, cool. So we're going to take it all the way back. Let's do it, yeah. if you don't mind. No, let's do it. Yeah. I'm from um, Alexandria, Virginia. That yeah. That is what I call the Bay Area AVA, because anywhere I'm at is the Bay Area. We are currently in the Bay Area. Hey, you know? re- remember the uh, Titans. That's all I know. Alexandria, <laughs> Virginia. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So See? exactly. You know? Okay, there you go. So um, I'm from there, and I used to just watch wrestling growing up. You know, I loved wrestling, and it, it was always what I knew I wanted to do, what I felt like I was born to do, and then... You know, I was 20 years old and I wanted to train and I saw future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas and I loved Las Vegas. I came here on a vacation. And I thought this would be a perfect place to, to start my journey at uh, FSW and it was best decision I ever made. Here I am today. There it is. All right. Yeah. A little bit different, obviously, Alexandria, Virginia to, to Las Vegas. Yeah. And we know we talk a lot about this, especially now with Vegas being the sports town that it is where you have so many people that are transplanting and then, you know, athletes that are drafted, of course, and especially guys that are coming from small cities, the adaptation that it takes. And we see a lot of wrestlers, as we know, that have uh, relocated here, you know, either during their career or after their career. For you, was it was it much of a problem uh, adapting to the Vegas lifestyle? Um, I think I, I I still don't have a sleep schedule to this day. Right. Because <laughs> time isn't really a thing here, right? Like, Things are open 24 yeah. hours, so there's always opportunities, always something to do. You notice there's uh, no clocks in any casinos. You oh, yeah, that, right? no, it's, it's a perfect No such scheme. thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> That's why I tattooed one on my hand. I can't forget the time. It's oh, Flavor Flav in the house. Now. Okay, there you go. At least you're not wearing one around your neck, okay? Hey, well, you know, that would get a little heavy. I'm saving it's that true. for the World Tag Team Championships Ooh. that I plan to bring home this weekend. Ooh, okay. We're going to talk about Turning Point in yes, a little bit. Yes, but. we will. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, what were we talking about again? I don't know. I, I plugged so hard that I forgot. You, you, you yeah. got the plug I'm, in I'm you. I'm super good. You, you like that, Yeah, huh? he, yeah he's yeah, got yeah. the all, almighty promo in him, all right? Oh, yeah, so we're talking about uh, how different it is. Yeah. Um, it's actually uh, the perfect amount of difference that I needed because I felt like I didn't fit in where I was at and I feel like I couldn't be authentically me but time here and the way things move the way there's always opportunity something to always uh, get into I'm a very um, active person I like to work out I like to make music I like to wrestle I like to you know go hiking I like to do things I like to make stuff happen so here I have the opportunity to maximize my 24 hours they say we all get the same 24 hours in a day it's about how you yeah. use it you know uh, so I try to maximize mine and I really can out here you know how much have you intertwined your music with your wrestling career as well too because i know you got passion for both Uh, i keep them very separate i try to keep them very separate um i've been doing a lot more music lately and maybe one day they will uh you know 
exist within the world within each other you know but for now they're they're their own things i've been making music since i was like six years old Mm -hmm. i just didn't pursue it heavy because i had to put it on the back to really focus on wrestling and uh pretty much the pandemic like gave me a chance to sit back and be like you know what i want to make more Mm -hmm. music and if i can can reach out to the people right now this will be the way to do it because we can't travel we can't you know go do live shows meet and greet stuff like that Mm -hmm. here's my way to connect with everybody you know so when you were growing up, I mean, were you an avid wrestling fan? Were you just were gravitated toward the, towards that? Oh, or, yeah. 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 So yeah. for you, what, who was the inspiration that you used to watch and said, hey, man, this is, this is what I want to do and this is who I want to be like? Um, it was definitely Eddie Guerrero. When you say that, I immediately think of Eddie Guerrero. Um, I was just watching some Eddie Guerrero last night. I can never get enough Eddie Guerrero. He was just so relatable. Like, we all felt like we knew him. So when he passed, we all kind of took that personal. You know, there's not too many people I can remember who are, like, celebrities or people that I don't actually know where I heard about their passing and it affected me as much as Eddie's. And here we are 16 years later, you know, and um, it's still – he's still – inspiring generations of talent who didn't even live to see him perform that's the craziest part about it you know like Mm -hmm. so when i remember when he won you know his first world championship i remember thinking this feeling that i have watching him do this right now is what i want to give other people one day Mm -hmm. and uh that's when i knew i wanted to be a wrestler and i knew i wanted to be you know something like eddie Mm -hmm. you feel that you pattern your style a little bit after eddie Is, is 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 that you are you kind of the modern day eddie I, I mean, that's 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 a little bit of a stretch, but right. I'd, once you start making the comparisons, I think you can but see I mean, it. style-wise. You know? Yeah, yeah, you know, because you know, Eddie, Eddie was yoked, you know, right, and I'm, right, yeah. I'm getting up there, right. you know, I'm kind of swole, you know. I'm trying he was about to, the same size, you know, though, height-wise, say, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly, yeah, right. and, but he could also fly, and he mm-hmm. could he could make you laugh, he could make you cry, he could take you on emotional journeys. His his outfits were sick, and I, I am the most tantalizing man with the most scintillating jackets, and you can see me every Thursday on Impact Wrestling on Access TV. You know what I'm saying? Promos comes into play again. I love it. That's why I love it. Beautiful. Just, me and Eddie, yeah. lie, cheat, and still ultimate finesse. The yeah. art of finesse, they're the same thing. They're one and the same. All right. Where does the w- wardrobe come from, man? Because it, it is definitely dashing. I uh, I love outfits, man. Like, yeah. getting into wrestling, I was... I was stoked about the the showsmanship, and I was, I was stoked about the outfits and the championships. And I was like, when you got a a, a baller jacket, a baller fit, and a title, like you are a god. Like there's nothing right. superior than you in that moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just always used to create myself in the video games a million times over, mm-hmm. thousand outfits, you know. Mm-hmm. So now that I I'm on TV and I'm doing Impact Wrestling, I had to be the most tantalizing man with the most scintillating jackets. So right. I have to I have to find the most uh, you know outrageous jackets i can get whether the abs are cut out or one shoulder's missing another shoulder's there or you know even if i just got the spine hanging out with some chains around it you know shout out Shawn michaels h bay k you know uh i i just got style man i see things and i life imitates art art imitates life and you know we are art and we are life there it is the dashing chris bay not to be confused with the original doctor of style slick okay let's, yeah, let's, let's remember that okay yeah, you gotta get gotta give slick props absolutely yeah. absolutely because he, he he could dress man back in the day yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right man so let's talk a little impact wrestling uh been great here in vegas uh we got more what uh tv tapings we got you know uh yeah. great shows coming up uh this weekend saturday sunday and monday 
Sunday at Sam's Town Live in a Turning Point. Talk a little bit about Turning Point and then your role in Turning Point. <laughs> turning Point is uh, exactly what it sounds like. Turning Point is the moment where things will turn around. Things will go in a different direction, so to say. And my role in Turning Point will be turning the direction of the tag team championships around and taking them to the art of finesse side if you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. they're coming home to the finesse club to the bullet club bullet club is, is bringing home impact world tag team championships and you know the impact world tag team championships need to be defended all around the world and who's going to do that oh it's going to be me and the big man hickley was going to be me and lp me and ishimori me and whoever i want to bring around me is who is going to be mm-hmm. bullet club over good brothers at turning point new world tag team champions and all we're gonna need is one shot and you know what it equals see, too sweet there it is too sweet you see i, I told you, you should yeah. not have brought, brought up the good brother's yeah. name because when you bring up the good brother's name what happens i mean there it is i mean chris bay goes into it that's it you got to beware yeah. be careful new tag champs new world tag team champs i'm bringing home a new title for the collection mm. So break down the schedule since we got we got three nights of three impact. Nights, three nights of impact. So you're going to see Turning Point when you show up Saturday, 7 p.m., Samstown Live. You will see Turning Point. You show up on Sunday, 7 p.m., same time as the night before. You will see some TV taping. So you'll probably be seeing a celebration of the Bullet Club becoming World Tag Team Champions. But that's a spoiler alert if you wanted a spoiler <laughs> alert. You can come see it live at Samstown. There it is. That's and the you'll be the one to spoil it because I know you're going to have your camera out and you're going to be taking pictures. Oh, Chris's jacket looks so great. Look how the title compliments his waist and his face. Oh, it's going to be so, so, so sweet. That's going to happen on Sunday. And then on Monday, we got one more for you. One more. A round of taping, 7 p.m., same time as the two nights prior. And we're going to send you to the rest of your week saying too sweet. <laughs> it's too sweet. Too sweet to be sour. I'm telling you, there it is. And he's like yeah. he said, it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Chris Bay yeah. in the house. Yes, and the Finesse Club. <laughs> Look at that. He's shouting it out here. Good stuff, man. How do you how do you feel about impact and where it is, you know, right now? I think impact is the best wrestling out right now. You know, uh we have a great roster of the best talent in the world. You know what I'm saying? We have myself, so we're kind of cheating at that point. You know, cause <laughs> they have Chris, baby. I, I, you know, I had to put myself over. If if you aren't, I'm going to do it. But uh, uh, we are just the best, and we have the knockouts division, and we have legends. We have the future. We have the present. We have what you would consider the past. We have everything you could want and more at Impact Wrestling, and I think that the X division is something that has been copied in every company to every degree. We know what the X Division has done with the style of wrestling. So, you know, we are trendsetters. We've always been trendsetters. You know, you, you can't beat Impact Wrestling. And if you are a real wrestling fan, you watch Impact Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And you know that Impact Wrestling is always going to give you your money's worth. Mm-hmm. He's an X Division champ. Now he's going for the tag team champs. He's going to be yeah. sporting the belts. Coming up uh, Saturday night is what we're anticipating, right? Yes, indeed. Saturday night, yeah. new world tag team champions at Turning Point Bullet Club. Bullet Club versus Good Brothers. This is what they wanted. The OG Bullet Club, you know, the elite, you know, the Good Brothers, the two sweeters, you know, these guys against the current Bullet Club. I'm talking about Finesse Club. I'm talking about Chris Bay and Hikaleo. We are going to win the World Tag Team Championships. And I cannot wait to see the look on everyone's face as I say, told you so. (laughs) 
<laughs> be in the house at Samstown Live coming up Saturday night. And again, TV tapings on Sunday and Monday night as well. All 7 o'clock. Great venue. Samstown Live. I mean, you are right on top of the action. It is a great home. It's been a great home for Impact for quite some time. And again, uh, get out there. And we've got tickets to give away as well, too, right? So, Ooh, uh, real away. Yeah, yeah, very simple. All right. 702-221-7283. That's it. 702-221-7283. And uh, just, just hit us up. Numchuck will hook you up. No doubt about it. And you can check out uh, Chris Bay in the flesh. The dashing Chris Bay and everybody else. Again, uh, good against the good brothers. <laughs> so we have got a like that. But, uh, but all the stars yeah. will be in the house. Uh, for Impact Wrestling coming up Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So we'll definitely uh, hook you up. All right, man, some parting words for our listeners and maybe even the Good Brothers because I know they listen. Yeah, Good Brothers, you guys are one of the very best tag teams in the world ever, and that's exactly why I need to beat you so I can know that I am now the best tag team in the world, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. So I will see you at Turning Point. Everyone else, you can follow me on social media at Dash and Chris Bay. That's B-E-Y, not B-A-E, <laughs> for the ladies out there listening. You can also subscribe to me on YouTube, Chris Bay. Look me up everywhere. Stream my music on Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify, Deezer, Pandora, anywhere, YouTube, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to music. It's there, Chris Bay. Look me up. Listen to my music and catch me on Impact Wrestling Thursday nights, Access TV. And if you don't got that, get YouTube Insider for 99 cents a month. This has been your ultimate finesse, your girl's favorite wrestler. Chris Bay. <laughs> I, I love it because he just made my job so much easier. So you, you took the promo right away from me. I love it. Beautiful. There, it, it's it's All nice. Really need it's nice. Shot. There it is. All right, Chris Bay in the house, my man. Great uh, seeing you. Uh, we'll definitely see you once again. And again, Impact Wrestling coming up this weekend here in Las Vegas, Sam's Town Life. Appreciate you, my man. Appreciate you. All thank right. you, guys. All right. Again, I uh, want to thank Chris Bay for hanging out with us today, the big seven-footer, five-time NBA champ, Big Bill Cartwright. Appreciate him joining us today. Trevor Maddich with ESPN. Steve Berline, the former quarterback, also with CBS. Uh, Action Pack show, as you well know. Tomorrow we do it all over again. And we got more boxing to talk about tomorrow again as we start previewing more of Showtime Sean Porter and Terrence Crawford battling out Saturday night at the Michelob Ultra Arena. T.C. Martin saying so long and miss any part of the show, you know where to go. T.C. Martin Show.com. We reconvene tomorrow at 2.